Welcome to the Man Up, Man Down podcast, presented by Volker Baluda and David Pawsey. We discuss the pressures and challenges faced by men approaching middle age that we're often too embarrassed to speak about with our friends. You can find us online at www.manupdown.com. Enjoy the show and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Welcome to another episode of Men Up, Men Down. We welcome Ruth Deflin today to our podcast to talk about menopause. So Ruth's career is in the health and well-being sector, where she started over 30 years ago as a registered nurse, training in Edinburgh, one of my favorite cities, but I don't want to digress from, from the outset here. She is passionate about taking a holistic approach to health, which is reflected during the talks or when giving treatment as a reflexologist. She founded Let's Talk Menopause in 2012 and works across all sectors providing informative talks. She is the author of a book entitled Men, Let's Talk Menopause and regularly contributes on a variety of platforms, including radio and various podcasts like ourselves. She is also a Scottish Union learning trainer provider and Ruth is a member of the British Menopause Society and the Association of Reflexologists. So there's a lot of words in there. I had had struggled with as a German, but um, Ruth, first of all, welcome to our podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much for having you, having me on. I think you cope very well with all those words. Thank you. Thank you. As, as I say, I, I almost moved to Edinburgh and I will move to Edinburgh again, but we can talk about that some other time. Let's talk about menopause, right? It starts with the word men, I just realized, and then or pause. Uh, I never realized that before, but I mean, obviously, You know, maybe you give us a bit of background in terms of, you know, what, what I just read out, what, what, what you have been doing in the past, what you're doing now, and when, why, you, why you focus on menopause. And then I have this burning question, you know, why, why, why as men should we talk about menopause? But, okay, so uh, to you. Yeah, I, I really I can't add much to the bio that you just read out. Just, you know, um, yeah, definitely started off life as a nurse. And, uh, and now I spend my time clinically educating on the menopause. So, yes, started that back in 2012 and work across all sectors, go where I'm needed, just take a holistic approach, which is really important to me. Just hopefully by the end of any talk that uh, we do, let's talk menopause, people feel more informed and able to go and help themselves. Yeah. And why should men worry about menopause? Well, we've yeah. only got, <laughs> haven't got long enough. <laughs> for, to, <laughs> could spend all day talking about this. Well, <laughs> because it impacts their lives too. We've got uh, two different scenarios. You've got the home environment, haven't you? And then you've got the work environment. And at home, you've got partners and wives who are... Um, you know, probably their their quality of life is being impacted by the symptoms. We're all going to have our own unique experience. But if your partner or wife is, um, you know, having debilitating experiences, that then has a knock-on effect of having an impact on your life and relationships as well. And then within the workplace, likewise, if you're trying to support people through this period of their lives, if you're working alongside colleagues who you've worked alongside all your lives and suddenly they're, they're going into this transitional period again it can really start to impact on their quality of life which then has an impact on your relationships as well so yeah you really need to know about it <laughs> that does it have a huge impact on work performance as well 
oh, it can do for a lot of people. I think, you know, yeah. a couple of things I'd like to point out is that, A, nobody chooses to go to, through the menopause. And there's a huge, vast differing experiences with, with each individual woman. You know, you've got about 75% of women experience symptoms, but to really differing degrees, like majorly differing degrees. You know, you take one symptom with the most classic symptom everybody wants to talk about, which is hot flushes. You know, one person just might experience a warm glow. Like, literally, there's no outward visible um, view that anybody's experiencing yeah. anything. But then at the other end of the spectrum, you've got people who are literally dripping in sweat within two or three minutes. They look like they walked off squash court. So, you know, really differing experiences. You've then got about 25% of women who, who appear to just be sailing through this period of their lives without a care in the world, which doesn't seem terribly fair. So, I mean, what what exactly is the menopause if it's, well... You know, I was going to say if it's not too much of a naive question, but I mean, one of the things that I mentioned to Ruth before we started recording was I, you know, as a result, I had to say to my wife yesterday, I'm like, "Mm, sorry if I've never kind of opened up this discussion with you before. So, yeah, I guess my question is, what exactly is it? And, you know, what what is the typical age? Is there a typical age? Yeah, Um, yeah. No, good questions. And I think, you know, I think, to start off with, I'd just say a lot of people will say, oh, why haven't I been educated about this? Why didn't I know more about it? But unless you're in that stage of your life anyway, you often you, you don't feel like you need to know about it, do you? But anyway, we'll go back to what the first question was. It was like, what is menopause? Well, it's um, menopause is when, um, you know, women stops having their their periods. It's that last menstrual period. You can only be classed as being fully menopausal when you've had 12 consecutive months of no bleeding after the last menstrual period. And then you go into your postmenopausal years. Prior to becoming menopausal, you're in the perimenopausal stage, which is the most symptomatic stage. Okay, so that's when your estrogen levels are declining and fluctuating. And it's when you could be experiencing a multitude of different symptoms because of those fluctuating hormones, because you've got this imbalance of hormones going on. Does that make sense? Kind of, yeah. Does it mean you could take hormones to to balance it out again? So do, do women take supplements? Yeah, no, no, definitely you can. There's hormone replacement therapy, which you could yeah. potentially take, but there's lots of different things you can do before you go down that route. Not every woman needs to be on HRT. And that's a misconception. And the yeah. first port of call is to definitely, when you're thinking about how to cope with your symptoms, is to think about all the lifestyle choices, your diet, your exercise levels, alcohol levels, caffeine levels, things like that, before you then start thinking about, about medication. Oh, so, so all those factors then can have an impact on it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Your symptoms... But the main culprit is the declining and fluctuating levels of estrogen. But then you've got other hormones which play their role as well, getting into the mix there. You've got testosterone, you've got progesterone, you've got your stress hormones, cortisol and adrenaline. And, you know, if they're raised, they're going to exacerbate any of those symptoms. They're going to make them worse. But then you've got all those other contributory factors which not only make a difference as to how you experience the menopause but how you can have an impact on those on how you cope with the symptoms so that's primarily your lifestyle choices your diet plays a massive a massive role there and definitely if you have too much alcohol too much caffeine you're not hydrated you're not taking enough exercise all these things play a significant role and a lot of the time people will think oh god I've got to dramatically change my lifestyle well no it's it's more a matter of just really 
starting to get to know your body, knowing what makes it tick, know what you know can have an impact on those symptoms, and then just take making little small tweaks and nudges. So, um, so from what you've said there, it sounds like it can affect you both um, mentally and physically. Yeah, no, definitely. There's there's over 34 different symptoms that are associated with the menopause. And don't worry, anybody listening, you're not going to get all 34. I very much <laughs> doubt that. You might feel like you're getting all 34, but that doesn't often often happen. It's really important to, to help people understand exactly why the symptoms are happening. So you've got your declining levels of estrogen and they're fluctuating as well. But you've got estrogen receptor cells throughout your body, which is why... It's not just your reproductive system, which is affected when those estrogen levels start to muck about. You know, you've got your skeletal system, your muscular system, your digestive system, your nervous system. All these systems are affected when there's an imbalance of those hormones. So that's why you've got multitude of different physical symptoms, psychological, emotional ones. Then you've got some of the long-term ones, like genitourinary ones. You've got other potential ones coming into play, like osteoporosis potentially, but not everybody's going to experience those it's osteoporosis but it you know there's, there's such a range of symptoms because you've got these estrogen receptor cells throughout your body so i mean it's sort of one of the things that we've talked about is is how you know it can affect people to varying well say women people women it can affect women to varying <laughs> women degrees <people. laughs> so i mean is it possible to almost sort of go through that period without really being aware of it other than your period stopping yeah absolutely there are there is a, a percentage of women who do go through seem to sail through this period of lives without a care in the world but that's just everybody's unique experience and i should actually point out we've got trans men and non-binary people who may also experience menopause at this stage but we'll just for ease we'll just we'll just say women. yeah I know. Oh, thanks men, for for so. clarifying that because, as I say, I was like, "Well, yeah. should I say yeah. people or should I say women?" Um, so yeah, yeah, thanks for clarifying yeah, that. It's easier yeah, to say people. Right, I realise yeah. that, but it just for ease, we'll just say women. I never yeah. thought about that angle. Yeah, of course. There's, there's a lot of things in there. I mean, I I only know of the hot flashes, right, as as a symptom. Yeah. But what 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 does it mean? Do you just feel really warm? Do you you know? I mean, does the sex appeal go down? You know, how does it affect, you know, partnerships? I mean, okay. what, should what should we, a man... Should we, we don't need to go through all 34, but how does it affect yeah. me me as a man, right? Being, how does it affect you know, in, in a relationship, right? I mean, is, is, is my wife, once of a sudden, does she does she not want to have sex with me anymore? Does do I, I, know, I know people, literally, they, they, they change bedrooms so, you know, the wife can have a really cold bed, right? So, because she gets heat flushes. I mean, we have air conditioning, so that, that could work. And I know actually one of our neighbors put air conditioning in because she got so warm at night, right? I mean, it's, but there must be more than just, just, just heat flushes, right? As you say, right, from one moment or another, you're, you're, you're drenched. I mean, if that happens at work, how do you explain that? It sounds like you have I mean, very different conversations with your neighbors <laughs> to what I have. <laughs> she was very open about it. I mean, yeah. they have an air conditioning. And before we got ours, I asked her and I said, you know, um, you know, would you recommend that company, right? Because we think of getting air conditioning. She does. She says, "Yeah," and, and we got it because of. And I'm like, "Okay, right, that's fine." I didn't. Ex okay. I I didn't ask. You know, it was <laughs> her putting it on me, which is which is fine, right? I, again, I think it's good that we talk about that, right? Although I yeah. don't know my neighbor that well, 
Um, that's absolutely brilliant. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah that's one I, of the most important things. Definitely communication, having open conversations. Yeah. And just It's brilliant. And then you can start to learn about it a bit more. Yeah. But I mean, there's a yeah. whole multitude of different symptoms. Not everybody has hot flushes either. Can we just point that out? Some people have cold okay. chills as well. Yeah. Not everybody has hot flushes. That's a misconception. So you can have night sweats, you can have hot flushes. These might be interrupting your sleep pattern. So a lot of times sleep's interrupted as well. But that can be from some of the genitourinary symptoms as well. You've got leakage, urgency, frequency, you know, getting up in the middle of the night to go for a pee, not sure that interrupts them, can have an impact on relationships. The genitourinary symptoms have a massive impact on relationships because with these estrogen receptor cells, there's lots down in the area of your vagina and your vulva and all that area that nobody nobody really wants to talk about. But being a nurse, I'm always talking about these symptoms. And it's really <laughs> important to understand the impact of these symptoms because lots of women don't even go about these symptoms either. It's the last thing on their agenda to go and sort these things out. But if you've got, you know, vaginal atrophy, which is when the tissues become thinner and less elastic, you might be experiencing irritation, dryness, soreness. You might be becoming more prone to infections because the declining levels of estrogen affect the acidity levels in the vagina. So that makes you more prone to like things like thrush or bacterial infections like urinary tract infections. Then you've got your pelvic floor to think about. So you've got your frequency, urgency, leakage. And also men have pelvic floors, just in case you don't realise that. Any of your listeners, men and women have pelvic floors. So everybody needs to be doing their pelvic floor exercises. So if you address these symptoms and get those symptoms sorted out, that's obviously going to have a beneficial effect on relationships because it, it obviously all those symptoms, because it can impact how somebody feels about sex, how somebody feels, you know, the lo- contributes to loss of libido intercourse can become um, painful and uncomfortable. So getting vaginal moisturising lubricants on board, getting vaginal oestrogen on board, that has a massive impact and can really help. And doing your pelvic floor exercises. Quick summary. It's a little bit like we need a manual. We need a whole (laughs) manual when when our wives get into that, don't we? (laughs) That's why I wrote the book, guys. That's why why I wrote the book. I haven't read it yet, I have to admit, but I I think I need to get it because I think this, this can have a huge impact, right? Yes. No, it has a big impact on some women. Some women, no, not so much. And other people have very mild symptoms. But if you have, even if you have half a dozen symptoms, say you've got joint aches, joint aches is really common. You're getting up in the middle of the night to go to the loom or you've got, you know, that's interrupting your sleep. You've maybe put a bit of weight on, you've got weight gain, you've got bloating because it's affecting your digestive tract, your metabolic rate slowing down naturally with age anyway, but you might be becoming more or less, you know, um, less tolerant to certain food groups. So you've got to think about that as well. So there's lots of things going on. And then you've got the psychological emotional symptoms, which are some of the most debilitating symptoms and some of the hardest to talk about, I think, for people, particularly even with them um, at home with your partners, but particularly within the workplace because you're trying to keep a front up within the workplace aren't you you say you've been a yeah you know a multitasking lady who's who's managed to keep down a really challenging role and all of a sudden you start going through the menopause you're having hot flushes left right and center these are being triggered by raised levels of stress and anxiety maybe and uh, lots of different triggers for hot flushes and night sweats and it's it's that loss of confidence that comes with these symptoms because they're not over they're not only embarrassing but they're really distracting and that's really important to understand so you know trying not to laugh off the fact that you're having a hot flush again oh ho ho but 
which is the worst thing you can do. You need to take these things seriously and think, right, okay, that's embarrassing, but it's also really distracting for this poor woman who's experiencing a hot flush. And it's learning how to support people within the workplace adequately and relevantly, um, which can make a big difference. I've got slightly distracted down a rabbit hole there, I realise, but never mind. We've gone slightly <laughs> off track there. That, that is That's pretty what much. we do here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're, you're well on brand, Ruth. You're well on brand. I'm on brand. Excellent. There we go. <laughs> That's a whole um, different topic, menopause within the workplace. <laughs> um, so, I mean, yeah, let, let's talk about menopause in the workplace i mean how can um you know i mean obviously this is a podcast that that's aimed at men but we do have female listeners so you know and i think off well that there's been comments in the press by mps and stuff and there's obviously you know i guess it ties back to what we were saying about how you know some women can have pretty much no symptoms and others can as you say it can be really debilitating so yeah, is, is it sort of difficult for managers, whether they're male or female, or you know, leaders, to sort of comprehend exactly what women going through this need to support them in the workplace? And is there more understanding? Or as I say, you know, when you get sort of fairly recent comments, you know, is there still a lot of work to do? I think it, the landscape's changed enormously since I started ten years ago. It's improved you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt. There's so many different organs. I mean, I work across all sectors, but within the corporate sector particularly, they've made massive headroads into into improving education, um, informing people, making sure they're providing staff with relevant support. So, you know, it's an absolute no-brainer, isn't it? Within the workplace, make sure everybody's educated, make sure everybody's informed, that they understand the menop- about the menopause, what are the, what are the main symptoms that occur? How do you cope with those symptoms? What impact could it be having on somebody's quality of life? And then just thinking about right as a manager within the workplace, what can I do to help facilitate support? Well, just get your policy written. Make sure you've got reasonable adjustments, work adjustments, which are easy to facilitate in there. That's that's doesn't take rocket science to do that. Um, but make sure that you're developing an open and uh, inclusive culture within the workplace and making sure you're you're providing the platform to be able to have those open conversations. Because a lot of people, you know, it's, it, it's a massive impact within the workplace. You've got over 4 million women still within that average, you, you know, age group of between 45 and 60 who are still within the workplace. So, and they've got so many pressures on their lives. You know, they've probably got teenage children. They've maybe got elderly parents are looking at They're working full time. And then they've got the menopause to cope with as well. And coping with these symptoms can be extraordinarily challenging, particularly psychological, emotional ones, because they're battling to try and sustain the level of um, competency that they've always they've always had but yet they're being you know they're being knocked on the head all the time by these symptoms which are which are really they have no control over so you've got to think of lack of concentration you've got poor retention you've got low mood swings you know you've got irritability you've got rage you've got rage you've got anger all these things coming into play and you know as i said earlier you women don't choose to go through this they don't choose whether they have a mild effect or they have a serious of you know a debilitating result from their symptoms so it's it's providing that level of support, relevant support, which can 
means so much because at the end of the day, you want to support your workforce through this and make people feel valued and respected. And just by providing the opportunity for people to be listened to can make such a difference because economically, it's, you know, it's not an option really, is it, to to lose people who are really talented within the workplace and then try and train up new staff. You may be, you're much better retaining that talented, valuable workforce. I mean, it's, it's sort of something that we've talked about before on this podcast, sort of in terms of, of mental health or provision for mental health, in that as soon yeah. as you kind of put a monetary value on it, like, oh, well, you can increase productivity by X percent, then companies yeah. seem to wake up. But um, exactly. so, yeah, I mean, one, one of the things I was going to say, um, sort of, you know, touching on mental health and what you've said there. So, I mean, do you... Mm-hmm. Is that sort of one of the the big challenges almost that you can have someone that, that has been confident throughout their career and achieved, you know, lots of what they want out of life and then suddenly um, and, and maybe not had any mental health challenges before and then suddenly kind of feel, well, like a completely different person? I mean, is, is that yeah. uh, an accurate way to, to describe how it can affect some people? Yeah, really accurate. I think, yeah, you've hit it on the head is that people don't, you know, they almost don't, well, they don't feel like themselves. So many women have come across, they'll say, I just want to go back to how I felt like before, you know, my symptom before premenopause or before my symptoms started um, happening. You know, they've, they genuinely do feel really debilitated by the symptoms. The lack of confidence is a huge one. And it can result in people wanting to, you know, thinking that they're not, um, they're not competent within the workplace, but it's also their perception of how they feel they're um, appearing within the workplace. So they don't. They probably a lot of people will start to overcompensate at work to try and make sure that they they feel comfortable within the workplace, um, and they're probably not. You know, their performance levels are absolutely fine. Usually, it's just the way that they perceive themselves to be behaving. But you know, so many people will end up taking part time roles. Um, and then, unfortunately, some people end up taking early retirement before they need to. But the, the biggest challenge for people within the workplace is making sure that you provide the ability for people to have those open conversations. Because people who do take early retirement, often they haven't had the confidence to be able to go to their managers and say, right, these are the reasons why I'm actually taking time off work. It's not I don't have a tummy bug. I'm not just having an off day. I've been up all night having night sweats. You know, I just, I really, I can't remember in a in a meeting. I can't remember what's been happening at the start of the meeting. I have to write copious notes. I'm feeling like I'm really losing the plot half the time. And just by somebody, you know, listening to something and, and, and being able to empathize with them just can give people a little bit of confidence. Because if you re- help to reduce their stress hormones, that can be a key starting point. Because if you've got raised levels of stress hormones, you are going to make those symptoms worse, particularly psychological, emotional ones. And then providing that education for everybody within the workplace. So people feel confident talking about this topic. And I think, you know, one misconception is that you just have to talk to middle-aged people. And that's wrong. You have to engage with all genders and all age groups because you never know when this might hit somebody. And you never know when somebody might have to support somebody through this period of time. So the one thing you should never hear is, oh, you're too young to be menopausal. Nobody is too young to be menopausal. You've got approximately 1% 
of the of the um, female population who who are prematurely menopausal. So prematurely menopausal, that's when you're 40 years and under, also known as premature ovarian insufficiency. So it doesn't sound a lot, 1%, does it? But it's a significant amount of women who fall into that category. So the more you can educate people from as early age as possible, you know, the the easier it is for people to understand and be able to empathise, but also you're going to help prevent people slipping through the net who don't realise that they've fall, fallen into a premature menopause as well. So that's really important. But it just makes it an easier topic to talk about. And I think also, the, the, with, particularly within the workplace, the menopause as a word, oh, there's just so much negativity surrounding that word, isn't there? There shouldn't be, but there has been so many stigmas attached to it. It's been classed as a taboo topic. And if you just try and think about it in a different way, and maybe within the workplace, have an umbrella term like women's health, something like that on a on a policy instead, and include the menopause within that. And then you're encompassing lots of different um, health issues. The same with, with men's health as well. There's a wonderful quotation from an Indian menopause conference that I nabbed from one of the, one of the other speakers once, in, and it's, in menopause, we're not aging, we're ripening to perfection. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> and I just think if you perceive it in a different way, if you approach this period in a different way, you're going to, A, as, a, as an individual, you're going to have a much better experience because you're going to be prepared and you know you're going to come out the other end. But anybody supporting somebody through this transitional period, it's, it just becomes the norm because it is, an, it is a normal hormonal transitional period in a woman's life. You've also got, for the vast majority of people, you've got a certain percentage of people who are affected by either a medical or a surgical menopause. That's if your ovaries become damaged, if you've had to have chemotherapy or radiotherapy, or if you have surgery, your ovaries are taken away. But that's and that's, you know, very debilitating. But the vast majority of people have a normal hormonal transition. Man Up, Man Down is sponsored by Welldoing. As someone who has seen a counsellor for a number of years, I think their approach is great. They want you to find the mental health professional who is right for you. You can filter your search to highlight therapists with expertise where you need it, or you can pay to use their personalised matching service. The people who run Welldoing are experts in mental well-being, and they also have loads of posts and interviews to keep your mental health in good shape. Take a look at welldoing.org. So I'm, 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 I took some notes here whilst you were speaking, and I'm, you know, I, I wrote a couple of words down, which I'm, I don't know if I should read them out or not. But I'm trying to get into my head from a men's perspective, right? I'm kind of thinking, how does a woman feel, right, with all the symptoms you, you described, right? And, and, and I wrote down hay fever, right? Like, you don't know how hard it hits you. It could be different at different days. You know, you could be feeling warm. You could feel sick. Then I wrote down, because you said you can't concentrate, like having a baby, right? When when a man or, you know, when a family has a baby, right? And you, you, you don't sleep at night, right? So you can't concentrate. And it feels a little bit to me like it's 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 all these symptoms. And I'm, I'm sure we have other comparisons, you know, kind of like put together. But it, it, it literally is, if I say it's, 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 it's invisible or invisible, right? You can't. You can't see it, right? You can't walk up to, to a woman and go like, oh, oh, you got the menopause, right? So it's similar to mental health, if you think, right? And I mean, this this is a huge, you know, can be, you know, I, I wasn't aware of that. And that's obviously why, why we have you on the podcast to, to create more awareness of that. This could be a huge issue, right? Because especially if people don't want to talk about it, you know, women don't want to talk about it, right? Because if, if you have someone who's, you know, if I say maybe a little bit, you know, reserved, doesn't want to talk about it, or, you know, it's a topic you don't talk about. And 
and you say, oh, so so why are you not performing, right? Why can't you concentrate? And they go like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a woman thing, you know, or, you know, you don't understand it as a man. You know, I, I can just picture these these kind of conversations, you know, so, yeah. So I don't know where I'm leading with that. There's probably no question to that, but. No, I, th- I think you're huge. absolutely right. I didn't right. know it was such it, a huge is, thing. Yeah, no, it is a really big issue and it can be extraordinarily yeah. debilitating for a lot of people. And I think you, you hit on something at the start there, you know, um, you know, and you said hay fever some days are worse than others. And with uh, the menopause, symptoms some days, symptoms can feel like the much worse one day and then they're not so bad the next day. And that's because one important word to latch onto is fluctuating because you, your hormones don't behave themselves. You know, they, they don't just steadily decline. They fluctuate. So one day you might be feeling not bad at all and you're thinking, oh, maybe I was just imagining that I was starting to go through the menopause. But what you've not taken into account is, you know, the previous day you've not you've not had any alcohol, you've hardly had any caffeine, you've had a really good nutritious diet, you've taken some exercise, you've been hydrating well during the day, and you've not had a particularly stressful day. If you take the other extreme, three days later, you're feeling absolutely rotten, you've got a multitude of different symptoms, but you've been out on a bender, you're then compensating that the next day with having loads of cups of coffee to get yourself awake, you're having lots of refined foods, like you've been for the you've been for McDonald's commonplace after going out on a night out and then you know your stress levels are high because you're late for some meeting you've not prepared for a meeting stress hormones are way high and so that's exacerbating your symptoms so you can have a completely different experience that day so that's why it's really important to tackle the lifestyle choices and to really realize what you're putting into your body and what you're doing with your body has a massive impact on those symptoms so that's where men come can come into to the, the the conversation at home particularly because you know you don't have to become an expert in the menopause to be able to have a conversation about things and you don't have to you know try and tell don't ever try and tell somebody what they ought to be doing but you can start thinking about your own diet you can start thinking about you know socializing and alcohol levels and caffeine levels and things like that and helping people exercise and helping people get a better quality of life overall which, uh, you know, and I think a lot of the time it can be really hard to have conversations at home. We've all got different experiences, but, uh, you know, there is a section of, uh, there's a percentage of females who are in denial about the menopause. So that makes it even harder to have that conversation because they feel that they're too young to be in the menopause. So lots of symptoms will start in your early to mid 40s, you know, and they'll creep in. So you may be, putting down how you're feeling to other stresses in your life. So you might be feeling a little bit irritated one day, maybe your menstrual cycle's getting a little bit, you know, out of kilter and you're thinking, oh, it's just what's been happening, you know, and then within, you know, your life and then symptoms calm down again and then they'll start up again. And it's only when you get more symptoms and, you know, you get significant changes in your menstrual cycle and more significant um, symptoms that you then start thinking, oh, hang on, maybe I was in the menopause. Because the length of time for this perimenopausal stage can be, well, on average, between four and seven years, which sounds horrendous, doesn't it? But you can be in that perimenopausal stage for maybe a couple of years without even really thinking that you're, you're anywhere near it. So a lot of women will associate the word menopause with little grey hair grannies and it, it couldn't be further from the truth, you know. You, And I think the more you understand 
about the actual symptoms and how and how they can manifest themselves, then that it becomes an easier topic to understand. There's um, a couple of things well, that the Volker mentioned there and, and that you mentioned. And I was just sort of thinking about the, well, you were saying about people retiring early and Volker said, you know, if there's people that, that aren't confident to speak up. I mean, are there any sort of figures of how much talent is, is leaving the workforce unnecessarily? Um, I haven't got any up-to-date percentages, but if you go, you've got oh, you've got a large percentage of, of women who feel that their their mental health is affected. So that's about eighty percent. You've got you fifty percent saying that their um, their sexual health is affected. I don't know exactly what percentage of, uh, of females are leaving the workforce, but it it, it will be quite high. Um, and another question, well, actually two things. So like the first one, I mean, obviously you've sort of talked about a holistic approach to health. I mean, if I'm sort of looking at it from an employer's point of view, it, it's almost like, well, if they've got a good holistic approach to health in general, in their, you know, their sort of policies and flexible working, then it's almost like they don't need one for menopausal women. You know, it's like if there's a good mental health policy in place, if there's, you know, a, a good flexible working environment. But then, you know, as I say that, it's that classic thing of, of you know, we're sat here on a video conference call, essentially, me and Volker office based, you know, then so if you think about women that work in the office and, you know, obviously since the pandemic, it's perhaps easier for them to say, right, well, I'm working from home because I'm, I'm suffering from these symptoms. But obviously, if you work in a supermarket, you might not have that flexibility. I mean, are there any industries that have more catching up to do? Or, well, you know, the nature of the work means that they can't provide the same level of support as other industries. Yeah, I mean, you've hit the nail right on the head. It's, it's certain industries, particularly somewhere like what we talk about the NHS, where you've got shift patterns, you've got people who where they, they, they can't provide flexible working hours. People have to be in uniforms a lot of the time. Do you know, just because of the vast amount of uniforms they've got to provide, they're not, they're not made of natural fibres, they're not, you know, wonderfully fitting, they haven't got enough of them, things like that. Things like, you know, if you're in the corporate sector, it's very easy to provide free sanitary products within bathrooms isn't it well if you're working in the nhs it's quite it's quite hard to keep those all stocked up or or not having the general public going in as well so things like that um are much easier to facilitate in certain certain organizations but um yeah it's the it's the flexibility of time off and and just being able to provide health and well-being sessions for your staff as well which is which can be really supportive you know we work for with quite a few organizations and they they develop a program of of sessions that uh, people find really useful well it's much harder in an in somewhere like the nhs or something like that to just try and get people on board and get people to actually be able to attend sessions like that isn't it mm. you might be able to provide the information session but everybody can access them things like that can become a bit of a challenge do do men go through menopause as well? 
Always a question. Men are always wanting to jump on the bandwagon. There we go. <laughs> yeah, because we, we we always say, right, men always have, you know, or men also have like a like a menstrual cycle, right? A, a monthly cycle, right? Nothing like of the females do, right? But allegedly it's in their head. True or not, we can debate. So would men have a menopause as well? I mean, we, we get hormone imbalance, right, as we get older. But well, it doesn't no, affect it us be, as much, right? No, it doesn't affect you as much. And it would correctly be be called an andropause, okay? So you've got age-related reduction of testosterone, but it's declining at a a fraction of a rate compared to the female hormones. So, yeah, you could experience, you know, and also it doesn't involve a complete shutdown of your reproductive organs. So I think you've got to to think about that as well. Um, But you could, you can experience... Certain symptoms like, you know, maybe insomnia, mood swings, weight gain. Those are the classic ones. Decreased bone mineral density, gain. thing like that. Yeah. <laughs> you don't look yeah. like you've got weight gain. <laughs> it's usually from about 50 onwards, the decline. But, I mean, testosterone, you know, is, yeah. I mean, as we all know, it's really important for mental and physical health, for, for libido, for um, muscle mass things like that but no it would yeah. correctly be termed an andropause yeah okay so, so we, on, we can't jump on the bandwagon on and that. say oh wifey i'm going yeah. through the same problem you are no you're not going to but i've got it worse exactly man flu no no woman ever survived the man flu right they don't know how bad it is <laughs> so <laughs> no 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 chance of that guys i'm afraid <laughs> Very mild in comparison, I would say. Um, something that, that you sort of touched on and, and you know, I'm sort of think well, so, you know, we, we had a guest um, and we've got another guest coming on talking about erectile dysfunction and, and sort of, um, and I was listening to a Stephen Bartlett podcast yesterday, talk well, talking about sex and relationships. I mean, sort of around erectile dysfunction, you know, we're sort of talking about it, it's, well, and actually on, on the Stephen Bartlett podcast, um, sorry, I should stop promoting, you know, he doesn't need any help. Exactly. But, um, yeah. you know, we're sort of talking about the psychological effect of, well, how, you know, the ability to get an erection is, is you know, sort of so psychologically intrinsic to to um, being a man. Um, so, you know, is there that almost, you know, sort of... Um, you know, and obviously we have talked about, you know, changing sort of mental aspect, but is there that sort of feeling of, for want of a better phrase, I can no longer serve my purpose? Um, if that's, if, if you understand what I mean. Yeah. As I say, I'm sort of trying to think of it from the men's perspective in terms of erectile dysfunction. Yeah, I know what you're getting at. I think, first of all, do you know, let's go back to when when you asked me if, at the start, um, what is menopause? So it's the, it, you know, it's the end of menstruation. And if you're anybody like me, you'd be, you know, I hang out the flags and I'm breaking open the Prosecco because I don't have to have periods anymore. They're a real pain in the backside. But you've got, you know, other other people who, it's almost like a form of bereavement that they're not within that reproductive stage anymore. Mm-hmm. So you're absolutely right. We all perceive it in very different ways. Um, some people really want to have periods and like being in that reproductive stage. And likewise, if you're thinking about all the genitourinary symptoms that we're talking about earlier and reduced levels of libido as well, 
and that can have a, a massive impact for people and, and on relationships, particularly the younger people. So if you've got they particularly have an impact on somebody who's in a premature menopause, obviously, if they're in their 20s and their 30s, that's having a massive impact on relationships, on their confidence, on their feeling that they can't, you know, they're, they're not, uh, they don't feel like having intercourse and they're, they're not feeling, you know, they're just not feeling themselves at all. So that can obviously have a big impact on a relationship. There's lots more questions I could ask, but I don't, I can't think of any right now. Do you, is there anything else you wanted to add, Volker? No, I mean, for, for me, to be honest, Ruth, first of all, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast because I find it eye-opening, um, you know, if I say for, for, for various reasons. You know, if I say I, I remember my mother um, when, when she was in a certain age and uh, I had some conversations with, with, with my wife about menopause already. So she's, if I say she's not in that age, she's saying maybe, maybe she is in that age, I don't know. But, it you know, it, it starts in my head going like, this is something we, we men need to take a lot more serious than... Oh yeah, the woman goes through menopause. She, you know, she she has some heat flushes, and, and that's it. There's a lot more to it. So I definitely gonna buy the book, and and gonna have a read. Is there anything else where where you would point people to in terms of you know obviously you, you do a lot of trainings, you know you offer that to corporates. Are there any websites etc. We should we should include in the show notes and obviously as well where people can find out more about because obviously we when we first spoke about it pre pre podcast. Um, you know, we, we we had a longer chat about, it. and I think if I say to to today, if I say it comes home for me to like shit, we 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 men need to start thinking about that if we want to have a healthy relationship with our partner, particularly if we want our partner to to be able to talk about it as well, right? And and not as you say, you know, put puts the partner down, and go like, yeah, you know, you you just have heat flushes, get on with it. Well, you know, some like my... really good websites to look at. It's it's you know, it's key to get your information from places where you can trust the information, you know, from myself as, you know, like evidence-based and accurate information. So the one of the best places is uh, the Women's Health Concern website. So that's the patient arm of the British Menopause Society, and they've got fantastic fact sheets on there on any topic that you might um, think about. That's really accurate, particularly useful when you're thinking about hormone replacement therapy. You know, you have to be particularly careful where you get your information on, on that topic and just don't forget it's a very valid option for a lot of women but you don't necessarily need to be on it you need to address your lifestyle choices first if you're going into premature yeah. menopause or you're concerned about maybe being in premature menopause the daisy network is a fantastic charity it's very supportive as is the right. eve appeal which is very supportive if you're experiencing one of the five gynae cancers um, you've then got Menopause Matters as well, which is a really good website. They do a quarterly magazine. My website's just a chatty blog, but you've got a free diary, which you can download off that if you're a paper and pen sort of person. There's loads of apps out there, obviously. But it's one thing that's really important if you are experiencing symptoms is to keep a note of your symptoms. It sounds a little bit nerdy to write down things like how often you're having a hot flush or a night set, what what's happening with your diet and things like that but the more if you want to go and see your gp the more information you can take them the more the more you understand your own body the easier they can help you and they you know the easier they can support you as well so keeping a diary can be a really good thing to do so yeah those are the main websites that i would suggest you have a look at definitely but it's you go on the web and it's like a minefield isn't it and you don't know who to listen to who to trust but those are the ones that i would trust 
But I just think you never never underestimate how debilitating symptoms can be. You know, and the one thing you should never do at home as a man is go down the pub and compare your wife or partner's experience <laughs> to your friend's experience because it could be completely different. And then go back to your wife and partner and say, oh, well, so-and-so is just getting on with it. She's coping fine because, you know, they could be having a completely different experience. And, you know, and so you, you must take that on board. Remember that nobody chooses to go through it. You know, it's not their fault they're going through it and that nobody is too young to be menopausal. That's one of the most important things. To, to sort of summarise it almost, you know, well, it, it's be kind um, because you never know what someone's going through. And, you know, especially as I say, if someone's kind of gone through their life being confident and, you know, yeah, it sounds like it can be a major, yeah, change. Yeah, well, yeah, really thanks very much, Ruth. That's yeah, thank uh, you. That's been a really informative uh, episode. And, well, yeah, I think... Uh, Hopefully, me and Volker will, uh, as you say, get some brownie points for uh, learning a bit more. <laughs> and, you know, hopefully our listeners can, um, yeah, be more supportive with their partners. Well, thanks yeah. for asking me well, on you. and for covering a topic like this. Brilliant. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Feel free to reach out to Volker or David via our website, www.manupdown.com or podcast at manupdown.com with any feedback or to let us know what topics you'd like us to cover in the future. Hear you again soon.